Hello, and welcome to the Vevolution podcast. Since starting in late 2016, Vevolution has been creating inspiring events for the plant-powered generation. Each episode of this podcast will share with you stories and ideas told by plant-based thought leaders from the Vevolution stage. This panel, titled How Do We Make Plant-Based Eating the Global Diet of Choice, was hosted by Jeanette Fernandez of Eat Drink Vegan and explores the explosion of veganism. Sitting on this panel are Ben and Roxy from So Vegan, Jamie Chapman, Milkman, Lauren Lovett, Plant Hub, and Rachel Armour. A little note on this podcast, there are audience questions toward the end, which we have kept in, but they are a little on the quiet side, so just keep an ear out for that. This talk was recorded on the Eat Drink Vegan stage at Vivolution Festival 2018. So my, uh, the first thing that I wanted to say, uh, who has been vegan here for one year? Uh, three years? Five years? More than 10 years? Whoa, there's a few of you, there you go. So, question for you guys. Why now? Haven't you guys noticed a, a change in veganism like within the last two years? There's changes in food. There's, uh, it's cool to be vegan, where before it was like, eh, you're vegan? And now we see all these uh, superstars and things of that sort. Why is it now? Why is the time changing? What's happening? Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ben, uh, one half of So Vegan. Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. I think. Um, if you look at the statistics, generally it's driven by young people, right? Or mostly by young people. Um, so I think what's happening is we're seeing a generation of people come through who are just socially more conscious when it comes to the environment, when it comes to uh, the health aspects of a plant-based diet. Um, and uh, obviously uh, seeing it from the point of uh, view of the animal welfare. Um, so I think um, as a result of sort of young people being socially more mindful of these kind of issues, and obviously the spread of social media and the rise of like Instagram being uh, sort of prolific when it comes to spreading, uh, especially like plant-based food. I think it's just been a catalyst of um, uh, the food revolution taking part, basically. Yeah. I think also it's been driven by um, kind of news at our fingertips all the time now. So you can be on your phone, you can be on your iPad, you can be on the computer. Information is so readily available. And I think things like Cowspiracy, um, Earthlings, all these documentaries coming together, coupled with the fact that social media has created these like social media stars that are showing people that vegan food can be accessible. The food looks amazing. The people look beautiful. We're not like scrawny. We're not a homogenous group anymore. And that also... I think young people are looking for a life that has a bit more value and a bit more purpose and a bit more depth to it. So I think all those three things together have kind of created this movement that's just exploding right now. Literally, I was, I was just going to say, the power of the internet, everything is so accessible. Like, these amazing humans are putting together these documentaries that are accessible for so many people to see. Like, Netflix, bang, you can find out about what's really going on in these animal farms. And you can watch it, and someone like me can watch it and be like wow, like, that's what's happening. I don't want to be a part of that. So it, veganism isn't new. There's, as we can see, there's people who've been vegan for years, but now it's just so accessible for us to learn and see it and make that decision for ourselves, which mm. I think. Can yeah. you guys hear us in the back? <clears throat> Some of, yeah, fine. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Just checking. Yeah, like I completely agree. It's, uh, it's about empowerment, and 
for so long we've like accepted the status quo and life's a bit shit and this and that and I guess now it really feels like there's a, uh, a movement and we can be part of something and drive something forward that is our own and we can take ownership of it and sort of and it's it's emerging and it's sort of you see the direct effects and they're a direct result of what we're seeing in the news climate change and plastic pollution and everything else um, and it's empowering people and, and you know people see people standing up on social and, and sort of want to be part of that as well mm, yeah. Um, yeah I mean totally agree with all of you above and <clears throat> I just think it's been a long time coming like I think probably when we were all younger I know when I was super young I wanted to go I said you know I want to be vegan and my mum used to send me off to school with like goat's juice sandwiches like oh yeah it's vegan like, not really. <laughs> just not knowing what it was like and I think now like people are so much more conscious they're more aware they can see stuff on social media and yeah that generation is just like booming and they can kind of make it happen they're like more driven and we can all kind of be part of that now we have more access to each other i think what's also particularly interesting though is there's like a slightly i guess contentious point which is i think people are reinterpreting what vegan means or what veganism means. So like, you've got the plant-based diet, but in terms of... So when I decided to go vegan, I just thought it was a diet. Uh, and then it took me a while to kind of reinterpret it for myself and learn that it was like a lifestyle and it was a way of life. And I think what's happening is young people especially are reinterpreting what veganism really means. And I think as a result of that, it is becoming more accessible, but also people are deciding to go vegan for a multitude of reasons. Whereas I think historically, like however long ago, it was maybe generally one reason for the welfare of animals, whereas I think now people think, well, actually, I could be motivated to go vegan personally for environmental reasons, but then fast forward to now and I can learn more about kind of what it means for me and also be motivated by uh, health reasons and uh, for the animals as well. I think that's a really interesting um, point because I think that's why veganism is going to stick and it's not a fad, it's not clean eating. Um, there are, you don't go vegan for one reason particularly. You might at first, but there's so much, such a wealth of information um, from kind of animal agriculture's negative impact on the planet to health to animal welfare that I think it's going to stick and it's a movement that's going to be around for a very long time and it's the future basically. So how do you guys, when it comes to food, I mean, I remember like buying some food that was atrocious. Like I was like, oh, this is vegan. This is terrible. (laughs) And for Mexican food, mainly like a lot of people know like in the beginning it was basically plant-based we were plant-based people um how do you communicate to people that have had traditions and showing them like oh we didn't do it like this before how do you break that stigma through food i mean i found it interesting culturally being a mix of african caribbean and welsh um my caribbean side was so opposed to me being vegan it was so confusing and they thought i was just doing it for a fad they didn't understand i'm like there's a whole rastafarian movement in jamaica and around the caribbean it's not that new it's just in the last 50 years there's this influx of overproduction of eating meat it was so normal it was so easy and accessible that we kind of forgot our roots a bit and i'm kind of like showing them like yeah we're still using the same spices we're still adding lots of flavor but we're just going to use plants and it is a struggle i haven't managed to turn my family vegan yet which hopefully in time but there's definitely like cultural struggles between them with all cultures i think i I think in terms of like why people find it difficult to change their kind of uh eating habits or just habits in general is the simple answer is people find it sort of difficult to be told that they're wrong and that they're hypocrites. And I, I, I do, right? Um, and I think 
to a certain extent, I think we live in a sort of age of convenience where kind of we expect to uh, buy things constantly. We expect things to arrive the next day. And uh, I don't think we're encouraged generally, especially in the UK and the US, to um, think of the consequences of what we're doing and our sort of spending habits. So I think in the context of veganism and vegan food especially, I think um, what's becoming interesting is uh, we're uh, being encouraged to be more mindful about uh, what we're doing and uh, being more mindful about uh, the food that we're choosing to eat, which I think is a really important thing. So milk. Yes. (laughs) You know, we had a whole fight in the U.S. about the word milk, specifically. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're being sued and everything. So how do you uh, do this? I mean, how do you how do you fight against that, and what's your take on it? Well, um, <laughs> we, we've had a similar issue here in terms of you can't call uh, alternative milks milk or with an eye. Um, and I think you, you don't necessarily want to because you want to show that there's that separation. And so our, our motto at Milkman is milks to get you off, which is sort of a bit of a cheeky double entendre. Um, <laughs> but the goal is to prove to people that, you know, try almond milk or try oat milk or coconut as a daily replacement and it can be just as nutritionally dense and uh, the consistency can be good and it's, it's actually far tastier than, than cow's milk and, and, and making that transition quite easy. And I think it applies to all food groups and we're seeing more and sort of more um, replacements coming through to sort of ease people in. So look, well, that, that's the alternative. It's much tastier to sort of give it a try and it's um, obviously all the, the bigger stores are encompassing that and, and pushing it forward. So it's, why is it that, and I don't know, like males, males versus females, why is there so many more females, we want to know all the females here, uh, why is it that there's the stigma of being weaker when it comes to being a vegan male? Like just, this is just a question I want to know. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, is it not manly? Yeah. yeah. I guess because it's like, it boils down to the very basics, like a cow, big, strong, plant, small, considered potentially weak. And it's, you know, you've got uh, David Hay, he's a pro boxer, he's fucking one of the champion heavyweight, has now converted to veganism. Lewis Hamilton, you know, these are role models for the current younger generation. It's fantastic to see these people stepping forward and saying, look, look at me, I'm massive, and you've got vegan bodybuilders to sort of disrupt that myth and, and show that you can just get such a good, adequate source of protein from plants. It doesn't have to be from a cow. And then you can, sort of when you get people converted to that way of thinking, uh, pin on all the other associated bits, so like the animal cruelty, the environment, everything else, under that umbrella. But I think it's changing, but it's, it's, um, it's people like that coming forward and propagating it. Um, I think it's misinformation as well. I think we live in a world where Trump loves saying fake news, but I think there's a lot of fake news out there. And yesterday I read an article saying that <laughs> veganism isn't sustainable, yeah. and I think it's really difficult to navigate that information. And I think we're lucky in London. There's a big community. We're here at Vevolution Festival. We're meeting like-minded people. Um, but I think further afield, without that support, like we get messages quite often saying to our um, channel saying, I want to go vegan, but I'm the only one in my family. I don't know any vegans. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to navigate. And um, I think the whole protein thing has been a myth um, and it's been fake news as well. So I think it's just navigating information and yeah. people trying to find what's what's factual and what's not. Yeah, and I think, well, so with that, I think it really is about education. So yeah. it's kind of like getting the right information to people in like an inspiring way. So you might have heard where, so I'm opening a plant-based cookery school in East London 
Um, so we are kind of creating a plant hub whereby we can kind of bring that community together. Um, so it'll be kind of the academy, a kind of cafe, and then Vivolution, fingers crossed, we'll be doing a co-working space next door. Nice. So it's kind of place that all of us, you know, when you're kind of trying to start something or trying to change or trying to even like, you know, do something tiny that you can really come to one place and be like, I know that there's the right information here. There's, you know, really inspiring people that will be doing classes and workshops and you can yeah, know that you're going to get the right information and not kind of keep searching online and get confused. So we're just hoping to make it, yeah, more information and more accessible. But. What about, like, you know, everyone involved in what for um, the U.S., there's a big movement in, like, Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods, um, you know, Gardein, those are our, our, you know, Tofurky. What do you guys think when it comes to people saying, like, is that the is that the future of vegan doing doing this? So what do you guys think about that? Well, uh, the fake meats and I think I think that's like kind of really good like entry level. Like I feel like when people are trying to change, I think that's like a great thing to kind of think. Oh gosh, I don't know what to eat now. At least I can kind of have the vegan version of like my favorite food. But I think it's just about reconnecting and like kind of learning about the seasons and you know just getting more hands on. Like it's crazy that they took like you know cooking out of schools and you know all that kind of stuff. And I think if people can really kind of understand food and make it and know like what you can eat right now that's great and going to give you a balanced like delicious diet then yeah I mean not even diet lifestyle but you know what I mean hmm. so um yeah I think it's about kind of reconnecting I think that's a really good point um I think quite often people think that veganism is like a complicated diet or it takes a lot of time and I think as much as we've debunked that vegan food isn't just quinoa salads anymore, it can be a burger. I think there's still that stigma that um, to eat vegan food, you need like an hour, you need 15 ingredients, you need all this stuff. I think that's where we need to get people. It's educating them that they can cook vegan food in 10, 15 minutes and feed their families. And it's not a massive chore. And we need to normalize that. Yeah, I think um, like in answer to your question, I think the short term solution is to find really easy substitutes where people can just transition <laughs> like seamlessly um, and just make it really convenient for people to do so. But I think from a long-term perspective, I think we need to address why aren't people wanting to spend more time in the kitchen learning how to like cook from scratch using like, you know, vegetables and plants and, and, and fruit. And I think until we address that sort of uh, problem, I guess, with society where we've kind of lost our love for like learning how to cook and the ritual of sitting around a table and eating and enjoying dinner, I think veganism and vegan food, I think in the long term, will have a key role to play in encouraging, I guess, families to kind of spend more time in the kitchen and just fall back in love with the process of uh, cooking food. Yeah, I think that's almost even bigger than veganism. It's like, can veganism get everyone enjoying food from scratch? So not, I think it could be a thing where it's not necessarily vegan food. Well, it is vegan food, but you don't sell it as vegan food. It's like, can we get the nation cooking more from scratch? Oh, and it happens to be healthy plant-based food yeah because yeah, people i think it's really interesting because we, we, we've always obviously loved cooking like i was brought up um my dad was like always in the kitchen teaching us how to make pastas etc and i think like we've both kind of like um uh like grown up to kind of just associate that with with food right but um I, and i think when we decided to go vegan a lot of people would tell us like how can you be vegan because it's so complicated like like how on earth can you do it and i think what they often mean is they often confuse it and conflate it with cooking from scratch. And they, because at the moment, like 
I think vegan ready meals and, and sort of processed food, for example, from a plant-based perspective, is becoming more readily available, but still it's a hassle, right? Like going to a supermarket, trying to find the vegan section, and especially for families who need to spend 15 minutes in the kitchen to get their food ready. So I think if we can address that problem and actually encourage people to learn how to cook with minimal ingredients quickly, and it happened to be with plants, then I think from a long-term perspective, we'll start addressing that um, that, that sort of appetite we all have for, or the society we have for meat and dairy. So, um, and this is from the Los Angeles point of view, because we have food deserts. Food deserts, and I don't know if that happens here, it means that you do not have the accessibility to go to a grocery store. There is no grocery stores. There's grocery stores that go and open up, and then they, when they decide to close, they ban you from ever opening a grocery store in 10 years in a 15-mile radius. And these are people that are impoverished and people of color, which that's what we're considering there. And their shopping is in a liquor store or whatever they offer you. Ketchup is considered a vegetable in Los Angeles for the, food, for the school food program. Wow. Uh, the, the fruit is considered natural. If it's in syrup, corn syrup, and whatever it comes out, that's your natural fruit. So, are you guys, how are we going to tackle this? Because when it comes to this, I mean, for me, it's like if you can go to the grocery store and you have the accessibility, you can go vegan because you have a choice. But I grew up with no running water, no electricity, no store. I, we grew our own food. And if you come to me and tell me, oh, you're about to eat that chicken, go vegan. I'm like, I'm just happy that I had something to eat. <laughs> so how do we address the bigger problem? Because I come from a place of privilege. I am privileged to even be standing here. I'm privileged to be able to buy a cup of coffee. I'm privileged to be drinking clean water. So how do we go on differentiating for everyone and spreading that message of like, I know you have it really hard. Let me first address your immediate needs and how do we incorporate that? So that's my main thing. So what do you guys think? I think a lot of it is education and re-educating the idea of what healthy foods can be and how they can be affordable. And I think it's also like the government here subsidizing dairy and things like that. Let's subsidize things that are actually helpful for people who aren't able to get these fruits and vegetables and make changes in our world and in our societies that makes it more accessible for people. I think that's really, really, really important and key to making those changes. Do you guys have um, programs here that do like propositions of like changing for the government, like, you know, the dairy? Like, I know you guys did something where it's going to be controlled of how much meat can be sold. In LA, it just passed it in California that they have to have sustainable um, which I know a lot of people were against and for cages and things of that sort for animals. And it's going to be, you're going to be, it's going to be illegal to sell uh, meat um, if it's not, if it's not in those things. So how can we implement that to make sure that we grow the food that we need? What do you guys think when it comes to that type of movement with food? I think interestingly, I I read uh, this week, in fact, that, um, I think it was in Preston. They rolled out across 350 schools. Um, they're going to have a plant-based day once a week, which mm. is 
instrumental in sort of getting educating these kids what fruit and vegetables are and you know like you say you see tomato sauce in a sachet there's no correlation maybe where that comes from and it's we've taken all these fantastic natural ingredients and sort of packaged them up and emulsified them to an almost unrecognizable extent and it's grassroots like getting this food in front of kids and allowing them to see that this is fantastic and delicious and it's nutritionally beneficial and um, and I think that's a really good step and, and hopefully that will roll out across the UK as well and, and Jamie Oliver is obviously mm-hmm. a massive protagonist of this and, and sort of instrumental in, in pushing these things forward mm-hmm. I think just more of that, more of that subsidising that taking the money away from the meat and the dairy industry mm-hmm. and, and put it into these sort of programmes at grassroots level yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really true and I think it's yeah, it's kind of policy change and, like, getting, yeah, things into people that really need it. Like, there's... Um, you might have heard of Made in Hackney, which is obviously, like, a community cookery school. Um, so we're going to be working, like, really closely with them. But, like, offering people community classes, people that really need it, like, subsidising classes so that people that maybe couldn't afford to do something or, you know, for mums and kids and, like, all these people that really need the information but you can't really get to them. So, you know, getting these programmes that are kind of, like, sponsored in some way to people, like directly in schools or in communities that you can make yeah help those people a little bit more yeah yeah Yeah, parents i think would be a good starting point as well because that's what you know how the kids going to know if it's if the parents aren't educated you know that's where you learn from Mm -hmm. i think you know hard up families or single parent families giving them the resources to come into places like um, what lauren's doing once a week and learn and sort of filter it through that way I think that's key, giving them the resources because they're busy and they've probably spent their entire life under the understanding that they need the meat, fish and dairy and that's how they keep their children healthy, that's how they keep themselves healthy. So we really need to help them to find ways to have that for themselves to help their family. I think as a sort of, uh, as a movement, as, as as the vegan community that we're all a part of, I think it's also important to recognize, I think that it does take sort of baby step approaches. And I think, again, this is potentially quite a contentious issue where you might be accused of sort of condoning something which is still harmful to animals. But then I think what I find really enlightening is when I speak to activists, when I speak to sort of like, I went to see a talk of, uh, by a member of parliament who's a vegan, and she was so adamant that the small wins do add up. And I think as a community, I think it's really important to recognize that uh, for us to sort of change things at a sort of national level from a governmental level I think um, we shouldn't be afraid to sort of take those little wins when we can yeah I agree I think um, from an outsider veganism can seem potentially very black and white so oh you're wearing leather shoes you're not vegan that kind of thing but I think to welcome other people and we need to be really open about it and kind of acknowledge that change does take time and as you say like simple changes can make can have a huge impact and really encourage people to kind of do their best do what they can at that point because everyone's on their own journey and yeah that's the best we can do to help them how do you guys approach this through a like you know we all have a way of spreading the message it might be a food via activism but how do you guys spread the compassion component when spreading the message because I think it's so important to remember that part how do you guys feel about that how do you guys do it with your your daily work and through food especially I think showing people as a much um, like we had this conversation before we started so vegan and 
we were thinking like what is so vegan going to be and for us as newly turned vegans at the time we thought food was a really powerful way to show people that veganism mm. can be easy and accessible and I think through food you can send you can kind of talk about other issues as well yeah. but if you show them that it's not the scary thing initially then you can kind of bring them in and talk about other issues yeah and I think yeah food is something that everyone can relate to so when you know in my work I guess I do like more like supper clubs and things like that and it's yeah you can all come together and share something you can all say like I'd like it I don't like it you know everyone has a kind of opinion about food so it is a way of kind of starting these conversations in more of a kind of not preach way like oh you have yeah. to be vegan to be here it's like very much like do what you can and like as long as you can just kind of understand it on some level or you know incorporate more like kind of compassionate behavior you know relating to brands or people that you could you know are maybe doing a really good thing like but like local brands that are producing something really well or your local farm or whatever but letting people know about those things and maybe try them just so they can kind of see what's going on and then make that decision for themselves yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean I just I found with my friends if I tried to show them um, something about the cruelty in animals and what was really going on there was like kind of an immediate oh yeah that's violent but what am I going to do yeah. so that's where I wanted to approach okay well I have a solution you can eat this good food so you don't have to look at it as such a scary like I can't live that way yeah. like oh I don't want to accept the violence because I don't have an alternative mm. I'm going to give you an alternative so now look at the violence mm. Can you wear it up? Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I sort of on Lauren's point, it's um, sharing. Like the vegan community is so um, diverse and, yeah. and growing and fantastic. And like got mates in the audience and know loads of people producing their own stuff. And it's about banding together because it's, it's, it's an exciting time. You know, we're all very small. In five years, we could be the next big you know, thing, or, and, and it's about sharing that and, and introducing those products to other people. And, and uh, I think it's a, it's a lovely community and it, it, it perpetuates itself really on that. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the big corporations, like for example, Tyson or things of that sort that are investing in vegans? And some vegans are like, I'm never gonna eat Beyond Meat ever in my life again because Tyson invested mm -hmm. in them. Which, what do you guys think about that? Is there, do you think it's gonna be a change when it comes in the future, like they're gonna go? Like, what's, is it a moral thing for you guys? Do you, are you guys okay with that? I, um, so personally, from uh, the plant milk perspective, if I use the example of, um, uh, if I use the example I can't think of, Alpro, mm -hmm. um, acquired by Danone, who are a notoriously non-vegan company, dairy company. Mm -hmm. um, so after one year, uh, they sat around looked at the profits and it showed a significant increase in plant-based products as opposed to the dairy was uh, declining uh, rapidly as well so you know if you're a director in the boardroom there and you're you're looking at the figures you know and you've got you're going to put your money into a declining industry or a plant-based industry which is massively on the up you know you're going to put your money into that so they've got these huge budgets marketing and what that's serving to do is highlight the products and bring it to people's door and by doing so taking a, uh, harming less animals in the process converting more people so i think if you look at it from a, that point of view yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing it can only serve to benefit yeah. sort of yeah we've been asked this question before and like the way i summarize it is like i just think of the end game and what is the end game the end game is yeah. to reduce the suffering of the animals is to live in an environment which is more sustainable and i think if you've got multinational corporations willing to invest that is those vast amounts of money 
you can make your consumer choice to sort of morally decide not to buy it, but I think to discourage others to do it is probably wrong. Um, and I think also with this debate, I think it's also important to recognise the likes of like Made in Hackney that we spoke about, um, about grassroots sort of, uh, and, and independent retailers as well, and say that actually, fine, like if you want to go out and spend your money with multinational companies that are investing in plant-based products, great, but don't forget there are these independent retailers. And I think when you have influence when it comes to social media, I think you probably have a role to play in that as well. Yeah, I think for veganism to go fully mainstream, we need more products in the supermarkets. That's it, basically. And the way we're going to do that at the moment is these big corporations kind of giving us more products. And who knows where we'll be in five, ten years' time. Maybe we'll be the ones with our products on the shelves. But at the moment, this is going to be like the easiest and quickest way to get more people eating vegan food. So um, we don't, like, I, there was a, a, I was having a lunch with a friend, and he asked for grapefruit juice. And... And when it was not purple, he was like, where's the grape fruit juice? Because he only knew grape like, juice from right. the, yeah. Okay. So, you know what a grapefruit was. So how do, why is it we, we're so disconnected from food? There's over 20,000 edible plants in green. So how, why, well, where have we lost the disconnect of what food is? Convenience, like everything's pre-packaged, like and it goes back to what you guys. I mean, you guys do a fantastic job in sort of pushing forward and making it so accessible for people, delicious thing, and, that, and that's key to drive it forward. But there's such a disconnect. Like, where does you know what do you do? How does that lasagna or whatever take shape? You can't name the ingredients, and the statistic of kids that don't know what potato is is you know shocking. I'm sure, I did at that age. I think it's just convenience and speed and sort of modern life has overtaken values and sort of ethics and everything yeah. else. I think we, if you think about it, we're just encouraged not to think about it, if that makes sense. Um, we're not encouraged to sort of make sort of mindful um, sort of consumer um, spending decisions. So uh, like I said earlier, I think like we're sort of fighting against the tide to a certain extent. Um, so um, we're gonna have a Q&A. So are you guys ready for this? Are you guys ready? You guys have questions, hopefully? Be nice. Be, be horrible. <laughs> for me, be nice. Um, um, so if you have any questions about anything that they are doing or about food in general, because I know, like, I see Jake over there. Yeah, hello, Jake. <laughs> you know, different, doing, making different food. I know Picky Wops is here, and I've seen a few people, hola, um, vegan pizza, delicious food, and, like, we're, like, there's so many people changing the, the food world. So any questions for our panel? Preguntas? If not, I'm just, oh, there you go. Two questions. Preguntas, preguntas. Speaking Spanish. Oh, chicos. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sally. I'm French, um, so we eat a lot of cheese, obviously. And um, I've been a vegan for six days. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thank you. My big question is, what would be your advice for me? How can I succeed in doing this? How, what plants should I eat? What's what's your advice for me? I think it's about not putting too much pressure on yourself, like about kind of just embracing it, being creative, like, you know, just not being like, oh my God, is that, you know, vegan or what do I have? What do, but, you know, there's, as we've seen, there's so much information out there, but finding someone that you maybe relate to, like looking at someone that's like big on like the internet, like YouTube or something, and just 
not kind of being too strict, but just think what you already like. And like, say the cheese thing, especially, like there's so many amazing vegan cheese brands now. And it's also super easy to make it yourself. Like you can easily, like obviously down the line, but you can easily start to make your own kind of bits and bobs. But I think it's about like finding products that maybe replace things that you really, really need in your life, like the milks and cheeses. And then just like being free and just thinking like, oh gosh, just like enjoy cooking things. Um, confidence for me was a huge thing. Like I remember when I, well, when we first decided to go vegan, I kind of, I'd be in a restaurant and I, for whatever reason, just decided not to ask them to sort of create a risotto without butter. So I'd kind of like ask for the risotto, it'd turn up, I'd be like, oh, I think this has probably got butter in it. And it just took me a while, it sounds strange, but it took me a while to build up that confidence to just like either call a restaurant ahead and say, do you have vegan options? Or when I'm there, just saying, look, sorry to be a pain, but can you do this for me? Um, and as soon as I built that confidence up, it just became so natural. And I think in the UK, I guess it's becoming a lot easier. I think a lot of places are becoming a lot more um, accessible and they don't mind. And maybe it's different in France, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, do you, I would say for me, because I'm from Texas and in Texas we're land of the cattle. So we have more cattle like in, than anywhere. We, we have, it's not good. Vegetarian is even foreign in uh, certain parts. So I would say, what are your favorite plants? Like, I love potatoes. It's my favorite thing in the world. I love tomatoes, whatever it might be. So keep those and then just add to it. Like, and then be compassionate with yourself. Yeah. Be patient with yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And just, you know, keep on going. That's you got this. You, you got, got this. this. You got this. We were all there. So, yeah. I also, um, sorry, I also think um, be prepared. So I, I always carry a banana with me, like two or three energy balls or pick up like an energy bar from the supermarket. Because quite often we'll go out and we'll be caught out somewhere and be like, there's nothing vegan to eat. And I get really, like, I'm, I get really bad, like, hangry attitude. Ben, like, hates me when I'm like that. But, um, so I've always got food in my bag just so I'm prepared. Other questions over here? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for your talk. Uh, I'm Andy. been vegan for a while. Um, so, so far, we've been talking quite a lot about um, how to promote veganism and plant-based diets in um, sort of developed Western countries, right? The U.S., France, the U.K. Um, a lot of what we're talking about, in my mind, doesn't strictly apply in uh, developing countries where they have a lot of quite different systems set up. Um, so my question is, you know, how can we sort of better engage and promote, um, you know, vegan lifestyle in, in other contexts? Thank you. Oh, love that question. So um, I am what we would consider... In, well, we, we would say I don't just stand for, I'm vegan for a social justice movement when it comes to people of color. I, uh, I'm, I'm primarily Native American, which is Aztec, we consider Aztec, and we didn't have, we were primarily plant-based. We didn't have pigs, like those were br brought over by the colonizers. And my food as a Mexican is a form of resistance to colonization because our, I was talking to someone, our food was considered a time of famine when it was only our Aztec food. And they would enslave our women and they would say, you're not allowed to cook that food. You can only cook European food. And it was the strength of our people 
that kept the food that now we all enjoy. And now it's like, ooh, Mexican food. But in reality, if you study the history behind it, you understand that we were actually lactose intolerance and our, and our, our like intolerance for lactose is so high compared to the Europeans that we get sick, we have rashes. They, you know, we were 73 million people before the colonizers came about. And then we were left, after all the bacteria and germs, we were left with three million people within less than two years. So under, look how powerful that is, just understanding that knowledge and knowing that my, and I always say, like, I come from a land of warriors, a land where we were doing brain surgeries and understanding that my, my people did this basically on a plant-based diet. So I think that information, it comes back to Africa, comes back to Asia. Uh, I, grew, I used to grow my own food, my, my grains, um, in a, basically a desert area, and you know, we carry food. So uh, what I'm saying is like knowing that, knowing where we came from, knowing how we thrived on plants, and also knowing, for me, it's like when somebody, when you go on there, I need people that look like me. I do, I do my stuff on Spanish and English, as Jeanette Fernandez. And the reason is, like, I want you to know that we both look alike. I can speak to you in my language, so I can go into the communities and speak to you in that. And come from a place of compassion. Because if I grew up very, very poor, I, I, I couldn't afford any of my parents grew up that way, then I should be able to speak to you from that platform. And I think if you, I, it's a thing, especially in the U.S., like if you go into a community and try to express, express that because of our history, how bad it is, and what the situation is right now, then it's like, it's easier for you to accept the, the message from me. Like if I go into a, a Latino community than from someone else. So it's just coming, I think, to the compassion part and the knowledge part. It's the way to go. I don't know. You guys, I, I'm, I, I could speak on this forever, so I'm just going to be quiet now. Yeah. Anybody else on that? Does that kind of kind of good? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Okay, cool. I'm bad. Anyone else with a, a pregunta? There we go. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you touched on it at the start with the Instagram and like the younger generation coming up through and, you know, channeling veganism, which is great. It's all positive. But obviously Instagram and Facebook and other social media access has its downsides in terms of people then start comparing themselves to how you look, how you feel, how you should feel. And there's all that sort of fake reality behind it. So how do you feel you would combat that with the things that you post online and you channel through social media? Like, how do you make people feel confident despite the body image and everything else in being a plant-based diet? I think always just being really honest because we're all human we all have kind of things that we go through and being honest with what you share and not packaging it in an unrealistic box to sell to people and if there's a mistake in a recipe that I don't like I'll let you know and then you don't make that mistake too rather than just selling it to you as yeah it's great when actually it's not good um and just always being true to that I mean it's hard in social media because it has done this great thing for veganism and other issues, but like you said, there is this kind of scary reality <laughs> crossover. I would say um, the reality is, is that we live in a world where that's going to be the case on both sides of the fence. 
all we can do through our output is, is try and encourage and show people the positive effects of veganism and a plant-based lifestyle and sort of instill in that person a compassion which will come with it a self-love um, more and, and, and branch away from maybe a materialistic lifestyle or a, a single-use lifestyle and uh, certainly since becoming vegan like my world's changed completely everything every facet I like ethical fashion you know it's a bit of a minefield to be honest but you know it makes you more of a, a considered person and, and mindful and I think pushing something in that direction is a good thing yeah I think one thing we do have to be a bit conscious of that Ben and I have spoken about is um, uh, sometimes with the vegan community online is so strong but I think it's we're almost potentially in a little bubble and we don't want to deter anyone like some of the food looks so amazing that it feels out of reach for people and it's putting people off um, so I think what we're actively trying to do, we're trying to just make our recipe videos look quite natural. We're posting quite a lot behind the scenes stuff. We post like when a recipe fails, um, just to prove like we don't get it right first time. We spend like, I don't know, 20, 30 hours developing a recipe to get it perfect. Um, so I think if we just share more of that kind of real nature of what's going on behind the brand, um, hopefully that will help. Yeah. So we want to thank you. We're out of time. But if you guys have any questions, our panel will be uh, outside. And thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we have more talks. So hope to see you around, guys. Thank you. On the 28th of April, Vivolution Topics Environment is coming to the Roundhouse in Camden, London. Come and join us for an afternoon of inspiring talks and great food. Tickets start from just £15 and you can expect talks on the topics of food waste, low-impact living and tackling climate change. Tickets are now on sale at www.vevolution.co forward slash topics hyphen 2019. Until the next time, take care and we'll look forward to seeing you soon.